off the record, on the rocks. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Off the Record, On the Rocks. How are you doing, Mr. Onfrino, Laura? How are you, sir? Cheers, Mr. Michael Toner. Cheers uh, to good you. To see, good to see you back. Happy uh, end of spring break. Everyone's back from vacays, looking tan, rested, and ready. Yes. Love it. Relax, rested, uh, ready for what's next, going straight into Q2. I've been a little off the grid. Uh, took a took a couple of days for myself, so I'm not as plugged into what's been happening. I got a couple of cool updates, things to, to share with you that have, have gone on in the NFT 3D space. Um, I know I missed a couple of conferences. I was supposed to go to both Bitcoin Miami and to NFT LA. I mm-hmm. understand you've got good insights coming out of Miami, big trends, things I missed. What's happening? Yeah, you know, I Miami. also... I actually also missed both of those events in person live because of spring break travel, family, uh, timing, kids' schools, you know, very flexible, very flexible how these things move around. And it's just it kind of porked me on my schedules. But um, I've been tracking a few folks that I knew that did attend Bitcoin uh, Miami. And, you know, I didn't expect it to be north of 25-ish thousand people was what um, I heard anecdotally. It, my number is probably a little high. Maybe that's a first day kind of a thing because the folks that I know spent at least one full day like at a beach cabana just running business there um, and or running business outside the convention. But um, but one of the big, big news was our, our your boy, Jack Mahler, who heads up uh, Strike, um, was actually there with his parents, which is pretty wild. Like, because there are people in this world who are that young. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's talking like major upgrades, including um, integrating Bitcoin's Lightning Network. And you're starting to hear the word lightning coming out of a lot of people's mouths because, um, you know, the big question hangs out there when you ask anyone about their project, right, is, okay, tell me about your project. And then the next question is, so why can't you do that Ethereum-based project? Why can't you do that Solana-based project? Why can't you do that, you know, blank Terra-based project um, on Bitcoin? Why can't you just use the Bitcoin blockchain? And if there's not a good answer to that, this is one of Jack Mahler and these other kind of you know, Bitcoin maxi guys' responses. There is no reason not to. Like Bitcoin Lightning Network is going to be the default and everything needs to go through that. So um, he's talking about a Shopify integration, you know, that kind of dovetailed into, um, I think even, even there was even talk about Robinhood at the conference. That Robinhood is now uh, going to look to integrate the Lightning Network. That kind of teases us into another co- whole conversation, which is, meme coins which everyone thought were like long dead and just jokes are suddenly coming out of the mouths of this these same people who are these bitcoin maxis saying well we're not so bitcoin maxi that we're going to put on horse blinders and not look at the rest of the world of crypto and just be bitcoin only we know that kids like it so yeah we'll integrate the lightning network but let's also make it so you can get a cup of coffee with some doge you know um which doesn't make sense to me to be honest it kind of makes me crazy that they're these guys are these Bitcoiners are giving life to the meme economy, but it, I guess you know maybe that's sort of the the Gen Z approach to crypto and the metaverse is just it's it, it takes all comers and everyone's welcome and how you want to interact is going to be a personal preference and why would I as a businessman cut that away I'll cut that off from, from my yeah. audience so I don't know to me it was like wow twenty five thousand people in Miami everyone talking Bitcoin but at the same time everyone talking memes everyone talking all these cool apps. And a lot of great panels and a lot of great discussions. So what I saw, at least virtually, I thought was pretty exciting. Which I yeah, I, one one theme I have definitely seen emerging 
is just this overall acceptance of the future is multi-chain. The future mm. is cross-chain. And, you know, that word interoperable has been used for around the NFT space, but it, it ultimately applies to which chain things are attached to and the ability to move, quote, cross-chain to truly into a decentralized place. I think that may be part of, you know, what you're seeing there, even with that acceptance of these different currencies that some of them run on different chains. I did see today uh, Doge taking off because of its listing on Robinhood as, as now you can buy and sell. And then the other thing with we have to get to as well, um, uh, Elon and this, what appears to be a hostile takeover of Twitter. We've talked a lot about Twitter and Doge, win Doge on Twitter. Let's get there. And, and, and I think that is like, you're talking, you're talking about calculated drumbeat of media, of marketing, of yeah. news, of touch points. So make sure first... everyone knows I'm putting in a bid. Yes, I want to be on the board. No, it, I don't want to be on the board. Oh, yeah, it's a hostile it, takeover. Like, and there's just all that, like the the interesting narrative that's being controlled from or trying to be controlled on both sides. But then the sort of halo effect of Elon's craziness in coming in and taking that stake in Twitter and yeah, getting on the board and yeah, quote unquote, committing to make Twitter better, which is a weird thing to say, um, by sort of this halo splash damage makes Doge start to rip because Elon does anything no matter what. And people Doge want rips. to buy Doge and Doge <laughs> rips. And then a few days pass and then you're talking like Robin is like, oh, by the way, we're going to mm. offer full Doge support. And then it's like, woo, it's going to rip again. And then, you know, even when Jack gets up there and it's like, oh, by the way, when we look at Strike and integrating stuff and Shopify, and whatever, like meme coins are still part of our roadmap and Doge starts to rip. And, you know, it's a, uh, you know, it, it's, it wasn't based on a Bitcoin rip. You no, know, Bitcoin was ripping like on like the 18th, 19th of March and it kind of comes settling down. So then it's interesting to see Doge almost in this inverse relationship, unaffected, seemingly, by the Bitcoin price swings, but 100% affected by what talking heads say either in real life yeah. or on Twitter, which again, it's like, I thought Doge was gonna die, die, die. I still have some Doge. I have it on a ledger even. That's how- Hang on to it. Like, this is gonna, in 20 years, this might be something. But as I started reading this and then how the idea of commerce, because it makes total sense. And this is kind of like the overarching thing for me for the whole show is an aha, if you will. Because everyone's like, well, in El Salvador and in Honduras and in Mexico, and you go to your thing and you get your wallet and you use Bitcoin to buy coffee and pizza and groceries. And I think to myself, well, that's great for that use case. I don't see myself ever driving to get a coffee with Bitcoin, right? I want to store it. I want to hold it. I want to, I want to, to stack them and not spend them. But maybe I do want to use crypto in some kind of a transactional way. And all of a sudden, the world, aka Jack and Elon and blank and blank, are saying, Oh, you can in the United States transact in crypto. Don't use your Bitcoin. I mean, maybe use your Ethereum. Just use a bunch of random shit coins yep. that you don't even care about. And therefore, it'll be easy to get people to do it. I think it's a very smart play, to be honest, well, to get people onboarded. It's also interesting to hear this upswing in the meme coins, the new listings onto these platforms, really legitimizing and, and exacerbating the the sheer volume of, of coin types and chain types. And yet when we've been talking about over the last couple of months, the federal government coming in, the regulators coming in, it's like, there's, there's the inverse, right? It's all of these projects swinging to say, oh my gosh, go, 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 send, 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 get them in, get them into market, get them into market. And the regulators 
trying to figure out, you know, USDC and stable coins. And I understand this was another trend coming out of BTC. So you see these two opposite ends of, of the spectrum playing out. Well, and to, to, to dovetail on that is there's this other interesting story. But we've been talking about CBDCs, the central bank digital currencies, for a while. Um, countries have them in play. They're testing them in cities and they're using them even in places like Russia and China. Um, we talked about maybe there's going to be the Fed coin or the CBDC Eagle coin, whatever our American coin is. But the government in the last week just started talking about eCash. It's e-cash, which is their current language they're using to describe what I think we would describe as a CBDC, but they're not describing it quite the same way. <laughs> they're branding so, the coin. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's eCash. E and so then you're like, okay, so now there's eCash. And that used to be, we, we were talking like, well, obviously the stable coins, the Tethers, the XRPs, which is Ripple and others that are in the crosshairs of the regulators, because, you know, if government is going to make a CBDC or eCash or FedCoin, then there must be pressure on the current stablecoin guys to either get on board with regulators or just get out of the way because here comes the U.S. But ironically, that conversation is, I feel like it's now been put like a box around it, its own little box, its own little cage, and it's been moved aside because I think the government thought, well, if anyone's going to be going and buying coffees and things, they'll be using stablecoins because they'll have to peg the value to a dollar. So we're going to go there. But it turns out everyone's okay using meme coins to hey, do that. I buy my so coffee now, in Doge. So, so, so now try try to talk about game of whack-a-mole where you're holding the little paddle, the little yeah. mallet, and there's like maybe 10 holes that the little guys come out of. But now there's like 100 holes and 1,000 holes because if it's not Doge and not Shiba Inu to get your coffee, then it's going to be Shiba Floki Elon Inu or whatever random forked right. blank. It's just – you can't win if you're the government right now. So I feel like they're going to have a really hard time wrangling this one in. Well, I will connect some dots here from all of those meme coins, the conversation there about CBDCs and stable coins. We've talked about the brands, the like mm. Starbucks of the yeah. world, and used those examples of each of these brands essentially could have their own rewards program that's paid in a token and a coin. Well, now the going from the other direction now, you've got the Board Ape Yacht Club, the first restaurant nft restaurant to have leveraged the the apes with bored and hungry now accepting ape coin the other way around like the coin was created first the nft was created first then we created the product and how to buy it and it's the same as starbucks offerings bucks and you know starbucks as rewards to buy coffee it's just interesting to think that the moment I can now use an ape coin to buy a Starbucks and a Starbucks coin to buy a burger at Bored and Hungry, yeah, it's all interoperable as long as you you keep track of the math of what each of these things is worth, what its market value is worth. And I think the apps and the stores, I mean, if done right, should do that for us. Right. I mean, it's almost like traveling. It's like backpacking in Europe in the 90s where if you cross a border, you had to go to a place called Weasel Change and you have to like go and convert your you know, um, Czech Republic kroner into, you know, whatever is being used at the time. I guess it was like the lira in Italy, which we did. I mean, in real life, I did this. It's a huge pain in the ass. You yeah. got to do the math. You got to do Dude, all the things. This is crazy because I was on Twitter today getting caught up on things and I saw this tweet going viral. Uh, this this developer, and I'm, I mean, this is so new, new that I'm like going back to my history from just today. Yeah. 
jpeg.cash this developer and and kudos to whoever you is out there it says built for ethereum by neptune on twitter so neptune on twitter he he published this thing called jpeg.cash jpeg.cash and all you have to do is enter your enter your ethereum address separated by commas so if you got multiple wallets you pop them in there and it'll show you your closed positions your realized gains off of any NFTs bought and sold and your open positions based on floor value. So like if you were to just liquidate immediately and it's the simplest, most rudimentary website, jpeg.cash, you don't have to connect a wallet. You don't have to, you don't have to connect a wallet. Aha. You just have to put in the ledger addresses. You don't have to know who these people are. And between those ledgers, you can calculate the realized P&L closed positions off of bought and sold assets versus open positions on assets not sold yet, but held and available at a floor price that is predetermined. Like, holy shit, that's an aha moment based on what you just described of these things can be easily interoperable because the blockchain allows for it. And JPEG.cash is the most rudimentary example of how to do the math. Hmm. Now, this is interesting, actually, because what in theory, too, it says, you know, obviously this is calculating your NFT profit and loss. But I think what you just alluded to is we could go and you pick your your Elon Musk, you pick your current whoever. If you know the addresses or just a couple, you can pop them in, run it, show the close and open positions of the unrealized and realized P&L, then just go ahead and copy that. I hate to say it, JPEG, and then just post it to Twitter and say, wow, so-and-so's rich and just straight up out them, you, you know? can prove it. You can prove it. You can be like, this is oh, real. Man. This dude is... Well, go to the positive side of it in terms of we've talked a lot about the SEC, and I, mm. I don't know if I've talked about XBRL, but extensible mm. business reporting language. So this was an effort by the SEC to modernize financial reporting. And at the time, the commercial news wires were trying to solve this, the financial, the R.R. Donnelly's of the world who did all the financial printing. And it was trying Mm -hmm. to standardize all of the fields on an earning statement so that, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, profit and loss statements could be compared against one another, that the line items would have a taxonomy that -hmm. could allow you to quickly compare companies based at different values or different market shares, different market caps and compare different traits within those companies. Now, but this was something that, that was a long time oh, ago, yeah. right? But it didn't Ish. work it, because there uh, was no standard blockchain. They weren't putting it on the chain. There wasn't a place where I could just take the ledger addresses. It didn't mm-hmm. matter if I wanted to compare. Now, if, imagine if every Robinhood transaction and every Coinbase transaction from their, from their balance sheets as companies yeah is on the blockchain and I could pop them in and I could tell you with absolute certainty and absolute accuracy who was making more money than the other in any given moment. That's yeah, a global economy. specific moment in time because yes. it will fluctuate over time. Yeah, you don't need an accountant to figure it out at the end of the year and run all the math, backdate it. The math just runs. So here's a question. What's the over-under on the number of years? Do you think this is happening before the end of this decade? That as Americans are asked to fill out their taxes, which, you know, we're, we all have to turn them in in, what, three days now, four days, that there's just a field that just, just says, enter your Ethereum address, enter your, and that's how you 
submit to the government. And that's how they can very easily say, wow, this poor guy took a yeah. bath on some shitty NFTs that are now right. undervalued. So he gets a write-off. But get that all the way back to the idea of sovereign identity that we've talked about and what the blockchain represents and the fact that I don't need to, you know, I mean, I was going to say I don't need to identify who I am, but it's that that is going to be the Web3 social security number. You know, mm -hmm. at, at birth, you're going to be given your your wallet address, essentially, that's going to keep track of all of those transactions, keep track of every diploma, every trophy, every NFT that you get throughout your life that's worth something or not, your assets that you collect in your life. This is crazy. How the, yeah, I mean, how and, the and hell building, did we just get here? And building off of that, I mean, like, we, if we tie that to the social at birth, like you said, like if, so, if your social security address is effectively a government record of your citizenship-ish, and then you can marry that or link that at birth to the wallet address because it can't just be an ETH address. It needs to be a wallet that can hold many things. Right. Multi-chain. Um, Multi-chain. Then, and you talk about that cross-chain, then, and this would actually solve like one of my biggest gripes with the way the world exists today, right? I have children. Children have friends who have birthday parties. Everyone feels compelled to bring a gift to a birthday party. Everybody is trying to always find for these like Equitable. kindergartners a 20 to $30 ish Lego set that has the thing the kid likes or whatever. How about now I just contribute to your wallet because in your wallet, your parents have set up its own little partitions, a college fund, Dude. a this fund, a whatever fund. And now we're not just wasting money on fucking Chinese plastic. This... No offense to Chinese plastic. We have lots, but we're not wasting money. We're actually contributing to the future of these kids. It's like and the most we... rudimentary basic principle of reciprocity in communities, yes. in tribes to trade with one another, to make sure that it was equitable yes. and in all of our relationships, you try to give that is equitable. And if you could be measured in, in the, and that, that's AI, AI being able to drive that data. This is, I, I, we've gone to a lot of different places. This is starting to, I can go back to the, um, being able to vote, you know? So now bring that whole concept that we just described of, of how we got there and being able to now have a global economy that you, where you can compare companies and you can compare individuals down to their birthday gifts. And, and all of a sudden the data that's available to, to elect officials, the, the world becomes a DAO, right? The world becomes this decentralized autonomous organization based in basic principles of of reciprocity. If you can write that into the code, you make that how it works. You make that how it works. And, you know, not to get too cute, but let's put the Dow back in dowry because countries that still operate with families that offer a dowry to young married couples often coming from the, the, the bride's side. And again, you're talking India, you're still talking, uh, you're talking about half of the world's population still has that reciprocity concept built into the marriage and melding of families as a concept of a dowry. So I'm not trying to say we're trying to make too many cute buzzwords here, but it really does make me think talking about a dow in the dowry, because now if you're trying to link families and build it's relationships, intercommunable, you have an immutable dowry record right. to know that when you Forever. get told she's, she or he's going to have all of this, that, and the other thing, then you show up at the altar and it's not there. 
Like, no, no, no. It's on the blockchain. I know that, yeah. we, you know, that we're getting this much of A, B, and C resources as we start our own life together. This um, is wild. Even, <laughs> it is a little wild. Absolutely wild. Because then you start to think, well, maybe this isn't an inevitability that it's just a matter. Like, in our lifetime, we might see this start to become normalized, right? Because most countries in a developed world have a record of each of the citizens, right? We call it social security number. Right. Um so countries will start to all come online with some mechanism of this. Now, those countries that don't yet have that get the opportunity to leapfrog because that when they talk, we started talking about this with some African countries where you know even programs like Cardano are trying to work with students in Ethiopia to give them these records on blockchains because they have no DMV, they have no record system, there's no social security. Well, maybe 20 years from now, in the year 2040, uh, when we're you know advanced in age but still talking about this stuff, that more countries than less have come online with that unique identifier, which functions as that wallet. And there's an NFT that is your birth certificate. And there's a place to park value. So when you decide to tie yourself together with another human in whatever relationship that is, whether it's marriage or business, everyone comes to the table with a clear, transparent conversation piece as opposed to the usual obfuscated negotiation and like, yeah. Semi-bluffing and all that. I'm going to try to tie this back to what I think is another trend coming out of, of BTC Miami. But this idea of the multiplayer game and the play to earn concept that we've talked about. So now connecting that dot back to work and in a multiplayer gaming concept, economies and, and communities of people being able to work together to create value in that play to earn mentality now and keeping that record as now a community <laughs> that I've earned what I earn. That's very clear and shown on the blockchain. The community has earned what it has earned and that's shown in the community wallet. And that, uh, you know, what were, what were your takeaways or what did you see coming out of that uh, multi gaming player metaverse play to earn theme? So for me, it's there. There's a couple interesting trends. I'll let's call out three of them. So the first is there was a ton of smaller announcements around the same time as uh, Bitcoin Miami, which were about smaller game companies getting two, three, four, five million dollar investments to start developing, you know, what would be metaverse versions of games. A lot of racing games, you know, competitive games, obviously competitive. It's very hard to contemplate an open world game today like a Grand Theft Auto open world, a Call of Duty open world, where the map is so gigantic with all these players and how that interaction works. But if you kind of reduce your scope of thinking for a second and think about games that are kind of sort of on rails, the easy one, the Zed run that you introduced me to way, way back, is a very simple concept. There's a track, the things go around, whichever comes in first wins. Well, racing games are like this, and racing games are wildly popular. A lot of those are being given this new extra money to start create multiverse versions and I'm sorry, metaverse versions of those games. That's sort of one story. It's like the indie, the indie game community. They're going to do what they do really well. I think they're going to be very successful. Then you have these behemoths that are rolling in. And it started with, from a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Microsoft acquiring Activision That's and Blizzard. Crazy. Assuming yeah. that goes through, that means they've now added that IP to Minecraft. They've added that IP to Xbox. They've added all that to their own kind of, call it a pantheon of ip create their so own interoperability within that ecosystem. within that ecosystem to, to use your words now what i think is is going to be amazing the second story is the behemoths right microsoft made its move so you know 
that Google's going to make a move. You know that Apple's going to make a move. You know that everyone's going to make a move. So I wasn't expecting Epic Games as itself to make a move. But one of the big stories was they secured billions, like multiple yeah. billions. And this is from Sony. Sony, you know, makes PlayStation, who has its own interest to combat Microsoft, and Lego. Because when I started think stepping back, it's like my third theme is, okay, if the small indie developers are getting money to create multiverse experiences, which are kind of NFT driven, but simple racing kind of stuff, you have the big companies who are like, we're putting our stake in the ground for big IP. We want big funding for our metaverse. Then the th third trend is, well, parents are only going to be comfortable with their kids in the metaverse if they know that the metaverse on some level is centralized. Because the idea of a true decentralized metaverse isn't gonna play with children. It's gonna be considered the, the internet 2.0 from the old days before Google and Microsoft and everybody kind of centralized the internet. So I start to see Microsoft is gonna have its version of what the metaverse is for its customers. Apple will do the same, Sony will do the same. And parents are gonna like if they already have their kids with their you know, PG-13 uh, privacy settings, you know, whatever all the controls that parents have on their current devices, smart TVs, phones, pads, et cetera, the parents are going to expect the same level of control in whatever version of the metaverse their kids are yeah. in. So I feel like we're like racing unwittingly in this beautiful decentralized blockchain metaverse world, we're like racing to see we, the greater American business world is racing to see who can make the first good centralized metaverse because that will be people's first yeah. onboarding and their first exposure to the story. Yeah. And whoever can do that first owns the well, narrative. Well, Zuckerberg renamed the whole damn company like that was that was I, we've talked about this we could pull that episode back in a couple of years and it will be a defining moment of trying to do exactly that i'd say 12 to 18 months before the majority of the market ever saw it coming and you know it's incredible to think that's where we are in our conversation to know that the runway was very short that the technology was moving at such an exponential pace, the hardware getting ready, the 5G coming online, the, the blockchain mass adoption, the NFT buzz, everything that the pandemic led to, to people being comfortable on a computer in a digital setting, recreating the real world, like all of that coming together in a big melting pot to then rebrand the already behemoth uh, as meta to now control that narrative, which then you trace back through the entire conversation we've just had over the last 30 minutes. And that's kind of crazy to think because we already know the power that Facebook has had in political realms. They've tried to solve commerce. Uh, Facebook just announced a partnership with um, another 3D and AR player to do 3D and AR formats on on Facebook. Now it's still mm -hmm. in kind of a news feed type format, but to be able to interact with a 3d model, I'm like, Holy moly, this is, this is happening. Well, but, but what I would push back on there though, just uh, gently is I, th the first to move. Rarely how do I just, how do I say yeah. this in the right way without sort of sounding disingenuous? Um, it's, you know, whenever there's a first to move, I'm always dubious of the intention. 
especially yeah. when it's an existing company, right? Often the first into a foray is the one who's leapfrogged by the competitors, right? People learn from the mistakes. They learn where the pitfalls are, et cetera. Um, you know, what's the average age of a Facebook user? Yeah. You know, is, is Facebook changing its name to Meta, trying to go back down market? You know, the average age, I want to say, is like 25 and up. And, and that is no longer the target audience. When you look at TikTok, when you look at Xbox, you look at Sony, we're talking like seven, eight-year-olds. That, that's the target audience. So Facebook renaming itself to Meta, to me, feels like, gosh, is there like a person in the ocean with cinder blocks on their feet struggling to tread water? And they're like, no, 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 I'm not Facebook. I'm Meta. Throw the life preserver. Like, are they going under a little bit? And they have to do something dramatic to change their fortunes. Whereas Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo are like, well, we already got the seven-year-olds because we know we sell yeah. them video games. And yeah. we buy in, they, they're very comfortable using tokens, right. V-Bucks to buy in-game Fortnite skins. So it's an obvious just sidestep of like six inches to the left to say, hey, this new thing you're playing called Fortnite has now been renamed the Fortnite metaverse. And right. the only thing that's changed is now you're paying in like crypto and not with your parents' credit card. And you're earning it while you play. And so you don't have to ask your parents for the credit card. That story to me says, yeah, I'll check the metaverse out as a kid a whole lot better than Facebook saying, be sure to use your thumb up icon to like stuff in your friend's news feeds, no. kid. Like no kid wants to do that. Right. It's also these kids aren't going to call it. I've got a five year old, a seven year old. They're not going to call it the metaverse to them. It's just the Internet. It's just it's not even the Internet. They're not going to call it that. They're going to call it, you know, whatever it is they're doing. Whatever on they're it. doing. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, which, you know, I'll I'll put in a plug here for talking about 3D AR formats. Um, we 3DM last week announced uh, in partnership with the Atlanta Braves what oh. we believe to be the first gift of a personalized one-of-one one 3D NFT to each of the Atlanta Braves players as an NFT built and rendered in 3D by 3DM. Uh, it was minted and distributed by Candy Digital. Candy Digital is uh, majority owned by Fanatics, Gary Vaynerchuk involvement, sports MLB equivalent of Top Shot. Um, mm -hmm. And what they're trying to do and think about baseball cards and think about kids and think about now there's a World Series ring that will forever be an NFT forever immutable on the blockchain as the first World Series ring given to the players. And now the players own it. You know, now it's an asset when they hand it to their kids. Now their kids not, you know, they have that same ring. They have the proof. They have the ledger. That's crazy to think about um, that that. Uh, you know, the Atlanta Braves were the first to get to do this and that my company got to participate in this first 3D NFT of a World Series ring. Um, it, it's It's been a wild ride. <laughs> well, what's even more wild is let's consider, you know, who's one of your favorite Atlanta Braves? Like, let's just say it's, you know, I don't know, uh, Darren O'Day or Sean Newcomb. And you know their names and you know they're an Atlanta Brave. So you probably can figure out their wallet addresses. You probably go back to jpeg.cash. And like now there is a way to flex that doesn't mean you have to open a social handle and use an octagon shaped icon. Like you, there's now ways to validate yourself without playing this 
you know, the, the flex game, public which yeah. the public facing game, because a lot of these guys don't, you know, they're not, they don't have the Twitter finger guys. They're not the guys out there arguing the people on the internet. They're just kind of doing their thing, but they're going to be influential because of, like you said, receiving this, um, this unique NFT opportunity. And honestly, I, I was saying a hand clap, I didn't mean to interrupt, but like hand clap to you guys in the 3DM for pulling this one off. It's a big, big deal. All yeah, the names cool, you just dropped for any listeners. I mean, these are the who's who's of the NFT world. Um, I mean, hey. It's no, it's no mistake that your board ape burger stands in Long Beach. I mean, Snoop Dogg runs Los Angeles, and he's from Long Beach. You better believe him. Martha Stewart made sure that was going to be there. Dude, you know, I want to know. I actually don't know. I know you can pay an ape coin, but I wonder, like, of the holders, like, do I get like a free burger when I show up? Do yeah, I get no, extra extra fries? Like, what do I get? Supposedly, it's like just like Starbucks, the way you described. You know that I feel like Starbucks too is a corporation that's just very, very close. To cross that, that divide, we've talked about stars and bucks and whatever it's going to be. So but easy. They have the they have the physical location. They have the IRL touch points. I mean, having one board and hungry burger stand is nice. How about having like fifty thousand Starbuckses? <laughs> you know, it's like it's a whole different game. Um, and so, yeah, supposedly you go in with your Starbucks rewards, right? It's a today I was there and I, they said, hey, you can get a a little like uh, lemon loaf with your grande and it's a free something, something because it's Easter week or whatever. I'm like, Oh, that's fun. I use the app and whatever. But yeah, you walk in there with a board ape for real in your wallet. I'm pretty sure you get all kinds of free shit. You might even get like a shirt. You could get like a combo with the extra this. I mean, yeah, I just need special just sauce, man. Testing. Just give me some extra special sauce. I'm good. I'll be happy. It's <laughs> just make that's my burger it. extra wet. <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, it's, it's uh, but then, you know, to get back to your, uh, one of your points about um, the interoperability, so, you know, in doing taxes, you have to review everything and then you review, you know, what credit cards you want to pay down and various things. And I've had this one credit card for business for years. And, you know, I thought, you know, I should probably check to see what the rewards point total is on this business credit card. Because I mostly just check my personal. Um, and I'm like, holy shit, I have a lot of these points. And so you go deeper and it's like, what kind of points are they? This is Chase. And Chase has these things that are called like anytime reward points. They're kind of like these generic points. And they by themselves don't really do anything. There might be a B of A, not Chase, I forget. But anyway, the point is they're sort of these generic reward points. But what do you do with them? Where you go into this like marketplace where you can convert them to other loyalty program points, interoperable. So I could say, well, I want to take 20,000 of these points and get United Airlines Sky Team points because I want to take a trip to Europe. I could take some portion and say, I want to go to Starwood so I can stay at the La Quinta or whatever. And there's different exchange rates for each kind of point. It's worth a different number of points. A different number of value. It's not giving so, you the exchange rate. It's saying this one is worth 30000 This one's worth exactly. 5000 Exactly. So now I'm thinking, oh, my God, they're just a hop, skip, and a jump. They, the so credit close. card companies, and they're a loyalty. And they, all they have to do is activate. I mean, copy, paste, Ethereum blockchain equals Elon Musk Floki rename B of A royalty point or whatever. And boom, you have a blockchain running. Hire some 22-year-old kid by the way, it's not the target audience of Meta who is going to be online, like working for you and evolving what will ultimately be a credit card metaverse of like shops and services that lets you cross the digital, you know, borders. Um, I feel like, like you said, you know, Meta move fast. They're always fast and early and insane. No, everyone thought $3 billion for Instagram was insanity. Then they thought $19 million for WhatsApp was insanity. I thought renaming the Meadow was insanity. They're not going anywhere. They, they got a lot of users. But the future, I think, is talking seven, eight, nine-year-olds. What's their behavior? 
and their learned behavior is already, especially after pandemic, like, like just to dovetail back to what you said, they've already lived in the, in the metaverse for two years. They didn't even know. Yeah. We all lived in Zoom. They all lived in virtual gaming environments. And so now when someone hits a little switch in the background that says, hey, guess what? Everyone's play to earn. Then everyone, of course, everyone's like, oh, my God, I got more V-Bucks. And I don't have to ask my parents for $5 to get the skin. I, I'm so happy and I'm so autonomous. When is the DAO of children gamers going to be developed? Because there's, is there an age limit for a DAO? Like, can a whole they bunch can of earn. Eight- Right, they can, can a whole earn. bunch of eight. Year, can a whole bunch of eight-year-olds in a classroom make a DAO at a school and start I've earning together? Collected a lot a of Mario pool? coins throughout the years. Imagine if every Mario coin that I picked oh up every God. time I played was worth point oh 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 one dollars. I could probably have a hundred bucks in my wallet from and all walk, of those coins. And you point your phone at your display screen on your Nintendo, and it shows a QR code that says who's playing. You hit it, you verify, and every coin accrues to your Nintendo wallet. I mean. That's this, coming. That's a good one. That's a really good one. How about a mushroom that comes out of a block and starts moving on the screen and it has a QR code on it. You have to get it fast before it falls down the little cliff just to get the extra guy. <laughs> this has been absolute fire. Thank you so much, sir. I'm so excited. Dude, it's so great talking record. to you. We'll All do it again. Until next time. 